Content warning. This series will discuss topics that may bring up painful experiences for you. Please take the time to surround yourself with good medicines. If need be, pause the playback and go for a walk, stretch, have a glass of water, and come back to the show when you feel comfortable. Welcome to the Métis Speaker Series. I'm your host, Darian Kovacs. On this podcast series, we will be exploring learning, healing, and rebuilding within the Métis community. Our goal is to create awareness of and generate discussion about Métis issues, as well as how to heal from and move forward in a healthy way. We hope to reduce Métis invisibility in BC through the personal stories from our Métis community members. This show is brought to you by Métis Nation BC and Jelly Marketing. Well, welcome everyone to the Métis Speaker Series. I am so thrilled to introduce you to Billy Joe Grant. Billy Joe, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me here, Darian. So, big question, very loaded question. Being Métis, what does it mean to you? That's a really good question. I think growing up, it was very interesting times. I always say that I'm a very proud Métis woman, but I was not a proud Métis child. There was a lot of confusion as to what it meant to be Métis. And I grew up thinking that being Métis was connected to alcoholism, drug abuse, Mm -hmm. transiency. So I didn't want to embrace that part of me. And part of that was that my parents, who were both Métis, were very confused about what it meant. So that's the important piece about Métis education. So I feel like I've come full circle. I grew up being told, you know, you're one-eighth. You're one sixteenth, and you know you're the last of the line. Tell people you're Canadian. Tell people you're just a Heinz fifty-seven. And I would say that I was telling people I was a Heinz fifty-seven when I was old enough to know better. So that's kind of embarrassing. But I had a friend, and she said to me, "You need to embrace your culture." And I said, "No, no." I felt like I was fine. I was fine. I had three kids. I was doing good. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to dive into it until I met Doreen. And I remember meeting her at a conference and she was next to me and she had on her Métis sash and she had on her beaded earrings and just this fabulous woman who was so excited about being Métis. And I looked at her and I was like, what's going on here? And I became curious. And so As I became more and more curious, I started learning about the strength and the diversity and the beauty of what it is to be Métis. And then I hit the ground running. And so I've had students ask me in classrooms, they say, well, I I think I'm a little bit of this, I'm a little bit of that. And I said, oh, no, you know what, you embrace that. I say I'm 100% Métis now. My kids have the same right to embrace that and say they're 100% Métis. They get more in a little slice of the pie. Amazing. And your vocation, you get to create curriculum, you get to create educational experiences. Tell us about how your being Métis impacted that and what that's looked like. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of Indigenous education with our district and because I came back from a conference and it was after the Truth and Reconciliation Commission meetings. And I came back and I was actually quite quiet and I said, okay, what are we doing? to respond to the calls to action. And I was kind of whispering to people. And then when they said, well, I don't know what you're talking about, then I got louder. And I thought, oh, wow, this is is part of my responsibility to share this information, to almost, for lack of a better word, a penance. I didn't know. And you know, when we know more, we do better. 
So that was important for me to be able to do a good job for not only for myself, but for my kids, other kids and ancestors who have done this work so that we can do this work. So I was working on Indigenous education and I thought I was doing a pretty good job. And I was getting some, you know, I was getting people saying, oh, good job, good job. You know, like even I I received an Inspire Award for the work I did in Indigenous education. And then I had the opportunity to step out of the classroom and go to Rupert's Land. Well, four years where I took leaves and secondments to do that work. And I was invited to join a team. And there were a team of three of us, sometimes four, over four years to create foundational knowledge resources based on five themes. So we did culture and traditions, languages, Métis Nation governance, Métis in Alberta, and homeland history. So that was where we were starting with. But I was able to jump in and learn so much about the uniqueness and the beauty of being Métis. So instead of using that Indigenous umbrella, we were looking at Métis education specifically. And then we soon realized that we couldn't do that on our own. So we created, you know, a community. We had elders. We had President Poitra. We had, you know, community members that were really strong in their knowledge where we sat together to create these resources. So that was the idea, to create a foundational knowledge resources for everyone that were from a Métis perspective, because that is what's lacking. It's really difficult to pull out of that pan-Indigenous approach and and focus specifically on Métis education. So during that time, I was able to learn a lot about myself. I was able to contribute to curriculum working groups. We know that's an issue right now in Alberta. We're working on a draft curriculum. And how do we move Métis education forward in a good way? And a big part of that was creating resources where educators and adults are being taught at the same time as the kids. So I think that was the beauty, is what do people need to know to teach this? What is the background knowledge? What is the preamble? So that was an absolute gift to be able to do that and just sink my teeth right into Métis education. And really, so it was a personal and professional journey for me. And while you're there, I I know in a lot of schools, they're aware of First Nations, they're aware of Inuit. uh, But tell us about what it was like bringing uh, kind of Métis culture and ideas and education to the school system. Yeah, I think, you know what, I love that you're saying that because I was able to work on creating these resources and these ideas. And now I'm back with my school district as an Indigenous consultant. So I get to actually see how they're being utilized. And it is exciting. And there's still a lot of questions, you know, around what it means to be Métis. And, you know, a big part of that was because it was quiet. It was safer to be quiet. So we have a lot of people that as they're learning the beauty and the strength, they're more likely to dig into their own personal stories and share them. And I think I've been able to be a part of that. I've been able to be a part of discussing with Métis educators my own story and how I was able to move it forward into a strength and an example for others. Amazing. And as you look at some of the work you're doing, maybe those who haven't heard of Inspire, tell us about what that meant winning that award and and what Inspire does for Métis students. Well, I think for me, it was a community of beautiful people that just embraced me and lifted me up. And they do that for students. They do that for educators. And the idea of being proud of being First Nations, Métis, or Inuit is 
I think is sometimes difficult for people because of systemic racism, because of the lack of knowledge that people have. You know, it was safer to be quiet. And so Inspire, I think, just wraps around you, elevates you and gives you an opportunity to be proud of who you are and to share that with others. So it was it was honoring. It was honoring because it comes from community. And that's really who we do this work for. It, you know, it's not just my work. So people ask me, oh, why are you so nervous when you're doing that? You do it all the time. And yeah. I said, I'm nervous because it's not just my voice. Yeah. It's not just my experience. I want to elevate others and I want to inspire others, but I never want to misrepresent, right? Yeah. So this is very much my story, but quite often it'll be somebody else's story as well. And when they reach out to me, that's just absolutely beautiful. Incredible. And you have some visuals behind you. So those that are maybe just listening to the show, uh, not watching, why don't you describe kind of in visual language what you have behind you and on your wall? Well, I usually, I love to support Indigenous artisans. And this piece here was created by my friend Cheryl Devon, who I've done some work with as well. And she's absolutely amazing. Most humble people I know. But When I share it with people, I talk about like the beauty behind it is because she asked me, where, where's your family from? You know, Mm. so this was done because my dad's from Northern Saskatchewan. So the orange lily, what kind of flowers do you like? She has pieces of threes in here because I have three children. So when she did this, it's so much more than just looking at it. It's, I know the artisan, I know that she did it in a good way that she would only pick up the needle and do the work when she was thinking of me and in a positive way and in a good space. And I think that's the beauty. Yeah. So that's, I just absolutely love it. And I find that when I am either gifted these pieces or purchase these pieces, it allows me to connect with community and inspire others to learn more about the process because the process is as important as the final product. And you know what? Kids get that. Kids get that, right? They do understand it. I talk about if you know the artist, if you know who made this dream catcher and know how they prayed over it for you and they smudged it and they did it in a good way, you don't get the same thing if you're just buying it from a store. And I think that's the heart, the heart of who we are. Amazing. When you look at uh, the work you do in creating curriculum and learning experiences, what are those pieces that you feel that, you know, if you, again, wave a magic wand and you could impact every elementary and or high school across Canada and their curriculum, what would you say, would you like, maybe kind of two, this is a two-part question, A, what would you like those who are Métis to know about themselves? And part two, what do you hope those who aren't Métis know about uh, the Métis people? Uh, kind of two parts here. If you could wave a magic wand and, and get this into every elementary and high school across the country. Oh, I just have to clarify one thing. I can't create yeah. curriculum. I can support curriculum. <laughs> yes, support. Yeah, yeah. If you were, yeah, yes. influence, support. That's, that's yeah. Yeah. I might get myself in yeah. trouble here. Anyways, yeah. well, you know what? Quite often I, I, I talk in stories. So when you said that to me, what do I want Métis people to know about themselves and what do I yeah. want others to know about themselves? And I was doing this work in a junior high and I was talking to the students. I think we were doing Bannock and we always do the history behind it. And, you know, the kids just love anything with food, right? And it helps us connect. And we're sitting there and I said, do I have anyone in here who identifies as Métis? And no, no one's hand went up. And so I said, guess what? I said, I'm Métis. And then a little boy in the front, he looks at his friend and he goes, I'm Métis too. Mm. And he looked, this other boy who was non-Indigenous looked at him and said, you know what? That's really cool. 
And I think about that because really that's what we want. We want people to be proud of who they are. Mm. We know that when people are strong in their identity, that, you know, it's good for everybody. It's good for their families. It's good for their community. It's good for their own personal well-being. So I want people, especially Métis people, to have an understanding of who they are and that they have a right to occupy space and be loud and proud. And at the same breath, I want others to know that they have this strength and that this is honoring. It's, you know, so much of what we learned in the past is it comes from a place of, I would say, systemic racism and and not knowing. And that was very purposeful, not to know who we were. I think about when my parents say to me, you were the last of the line. Well, if that was the case, then Métis people would be going extinct and we're the largest growing population. Indigenous peoples in Canada. So, you know, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for us to embrace who we are, but there's still a lot of work, a lot of work to be done. Like we're just just touching the surface right now. Amazing. I love that story of someone being, I'm very proud of you, Métis. What do you hope to see kind of in the school systems? And what do you see? What do you hope to see that the school systems kind of have adopted or kind of integrated into what they're doing? I would say my first answer to that would be that there were more Indigenous educators and leaders in education. So in Alberta, we we do have Indigenous educators and leaders, but quite often they won't identify. There's been quite a few surveys done about that. So that in itself is a conversation as to why teachers aren't identifying. We ask this of our families. We ask this of our students, and we want them to be loud and proud. But then many people have to look at themselves and see, where can I take up space with that? Um, we're asking teachers in our teaching quality standard and leaders in our leadership quality standard to engage with Indigenous communities and to invite these voices into their classroom in an authentic way. And I would like to see that partnership being elevated and be more organic. So I want it would be nice it was happening happening naturally instead of we have to find and pull and create. And I think we're headed in that direction, but I think it will take time. Relationships take time. There's a lot of healing. There's a lot of learning to take place. 100%. Have you seen that video of the, the little girl who explains what it means to be Métis on Facebook? Yeah. Have you seen any other resources like that where it's like a really easy to follow, well-made video or kind of like a little micro video educational moment? Because I thought that was one of the best educational pieces I've seen about what it means to be Métis, but I'm sure there's others besides that out there. Oh, there, there is so many. There's so many. And I, I love being able to gather resources for people. But even more so than gathering resources, I love teaching people how to look for authentic resources on their own. And I always say, you know, there's resources out there that sometimes have pieces to them that may not be accurate. And so follow that. Trust your gut. Learn more. Like, don't just throw it out. Find out why that isn't working for you. So, yeah, I love I love resources that engage people. I love presenting when people leave and they have aha moments. You know, I think when we talk about resources, sometimes it can be a photo. Sometimes it can be a book. It can be a person, it can be land. So looking outside of that Western viewpoint that a book is your only resource, right? People are your resources. And and in thinking that, one of my favorite quotes that just has had me hit the ground running and keeps me going is by Murray Sinclair. Mm. And this is what he said. 
while Indigenous children were being mistreated in residential schools by being told they were heathens, savages, pagans, and inferior Mm -hmm. people, that same message was being delivered in the public schools of this country. So when I share that, quite often people think that we're doing this work for Indigenous communities. And yes, we are, but we're doing it for everyone. We're doing it for everyone because there's been this misinformation that hasn't been shared. And so really, we're educating adults, we're educating children, we're educating everyone. And I really see the school as a bridge to the families. So when students are coming home with resources that speak of the strength and beauty of their nation, the families are going, oh, (laughs) this is interesting. And they're learning about themselves as well. Amazing. Yeah. Great. Do, you, do you know who produced that video of the, the girl explaining what it means to be Métis? Not offhand. You would have had to give me a little heads up on that one. No, no I don't know who made it either. I'm curious who made that. What are some other like resources maybe that you know about, maybe that aren't just books that you're like, man, you got, you know, whether it's videos or uh, documentaries or anything else that you think are really good that you like to integrate or tell people about? Well, you know, my heart work, right? I say it's hard work, but it's heart work, is Métis Memories of Residential Schools. You know, and that that's this book, A Testament to the Strength of the Métis. So this was a 2004 book. And when I stepped out of the classroom to work at Rupert's Land, I saw it in someone's office. So I picked it up and I looked at it and I thought, this, this, these stories need to be heard. These stories are powerful because they are from people. A lot of them are anonymous, but so I picked this book up and I said, I'm going to do project with this. Mm-hmm. And it took two years before my friend, Dr. Yvonne Poitra-Pratt called me and said, you know what? I found the grant. We're going to apply for a grant. We're going to do something with it. So we didn't know who the author was. All we knew it was a Métis Nation of Alberta publication. And so we applied for the grant and we applied for 50,000. We got 38.5 and I knew that we, I wanted it to be an art project. So then we had to hit the ground running. So we had to find out where were the working files for this. So President Poitra gave me Jude Daniels' number, called Jude. She's like, yeah, I wrote this. I'm like, whoa. So she joined the team. So now we have Yvonne, Jude, and myself, and this beautiful publication. And then we were able to connect with Angie Carrar. So Elder Angie Carrar from Grand Prairie, she led us in a good way. So there are four Métis women that decided we were going to work on this project. And the idea was to bring the stories to life through art and create a resource that was safe for all ages. And so that was that was the first steps. Ideally, we had planned on going around and speaking to survivors and getting to know them. And But then COVID hit. So everything we did, we had to do on Zoom, right from ensuring that everybody had good internet connections, everybody had, you know, the proper technology so that we could meet. So that was our first hurdle. We were able to get that done. And then Louis Lavoie is the commissioned artist. And he sat with us for every panel. He would go and he'd paint and he'd come back and we would talk about it. So The beauty of being part of that process is there's a story behind every panel, behind every piece. So we created these art cards that actually build into a collective image. Incredible. So this is a 17-foot mural that's out at Métis Crossing, just north of Edmonton, an hour and 20 minutes north, which is a cultural center. And so the original is up there. There's an online portion, and then there are art cards that you can purchase. 
So this was beautiful because it came right from a vision, right to being able to execute this. So to be able to present on this, to be able to show people the strength of who we are in addition to what has happened that Métis people have had to be resilient. Because most people will say, Indigenous people are resilient. And now I'm starting to say, well, why? Why? Find out why we need to be resilient. So this project is truly my heart work. It was a little bit of a side project because it was just a dream that we made happen. And so it has the art cards. It has a digital portion. It has the main one that's up in Métis Crossing. And then I was talking to somebody on a plane when we landed in Winnipeg. And I said to her, I said, do you know what? You have this beautiful museum here in Winnipeg. My dream is one day that Métis Memories will be in your museum. It was a two-minute conversation. She barked the plane, deplaned, I guess. And then three weeks later, I got a message on LinkedIn. And she said, I don't know if I have the right woman, but you told me you wanted to see this project in the Canadian Human Rights Museum. Here is an application to have it in the community corridor. So that we were like, oh, we have a week to apply. So this whole project in our mind, as much as it was led by our beautiful elder Angie Carrar, we also know it was ancestor led. There are times that we just got a little nudge that people showed up to help us move this project forward. So Métis Memories Residential Schools is actually now in the Canadian Human Rights Museum in Winnipeg right now until January. And of course, people love to see what's happening, good things. So the Fairmont Hotel had a copy of the mobile mural in their their lobby for the month of September. So we were able to go to Inspire. So see how this is coming full circle? So I was able to go to Inspire, present on Métis Memories, Métis Voices, and Métis education, and then go to the Canadian Human Rights Museum for this event. And those actually just happened to be at the same time. We did not plan it that way. It was like we were busy. We said, okay, we can do it this date. And then all of a sudden it all came together. So absolutely beautiful. And then I take it one step further. I get so excited because when you have a vision, you have it right start to end, right? And I will tell you the beauty in the middle of it was even better was even better, right? But last week, I was able to go into an English 20-2 class. And teacher said, I just want you to come. I'm not sure what you want to do. And I'm like, wasn't sure what I was going to do. But just my gut, right, told me we're going to do a sharing circle. We started talking about residential schools, introductions, my experiences. Because when I mentioned that piece about me not being a proud Métis child, that was the piece I didn't know. My mother was in Indian day school and her father, my grandfather, was in residential school. So when I was able to learn about a history that is very much part of my life, I saw the missing piece. Right. And I was able to look back at my family with a kinder lens and, you know, more more acceptance. And that's what we want others to do as well. So I'm in this classroom and I do share parts of my story with youth and They were so engaged, so engaged. And then we did the activity. So they all took a card and they didn't see the end result. They all took a card. We put tape up. And so they went in the sharing circle, talked about their experience, how they connected with that particular art card. Then they went and put it up. And so they would put them up one at a time, but not in order. 
And then you see the collective. You see the collective and the power. And that's really what Métis people are about is that we're stronger together. We're braver together. And we have that collective identity that makes us amazing, right? (laughs) Amazing. And now... Can people go there? How long can they go and, and see this? Or is there any way to see it online at the moment? Or do they need to go to Winnipeg? Okay, so you have options. You can go to Métis Crossing yeah. in Alberta, and you'll see the full-on big mural. That's where it's housed. That's the original. You can go online to Métis Memories, and you'll see the art cards. And as you click on them, they'll isolate the one image you want to look at, and it will give you teaching statements, reflective questions, and links to learn more. So always, always that more. We're never a one and done with our resources. There's always places yeah. to go with it. So, and then Winnipeg gets there till January 2023. And then okay. there is talk about the mobile mural going to different locations. It just hasn't been decided yet. And where can people learn more about you or, or kind of follow you online? I do post a lot on Twitter you know, at BJ Grant. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And you know what? According to that woman in Winnipeg, I guess I'm not that hard to find because she found me after just, I don't think she knew my name. She just knew what I did and that I loved what I did and had been part of Métis Memories of Residential Schools. That's incredible. Anything else you want to leave with listeners and viewers for today? I'm not sure. I I think it's just really important to be proud of who you are and to really reach out to others who are doing the same work or have the same vision because you only need to, you just start with one piece. And you know what? I guarantee that doors will open up and you'll just feel so much better in your heart. A lot of people that are doing this work, a lot of educators, what I've heard from them, it was a course at Rupert's Land that we ran. Uh, Cheryl Devon and I created it. And I was able to run three cohorts of Métis educators through there. And the common theme is that they feel they don't know enough to do this work. Mm. And that was very purposeful, that people didn't know enough about who they are. But you know what? We can change that. And we change that by connecting with others and, and learning about our traditions and digging into the strength of our ancestors, not the trauma of our ancestors, the strength. So I really encourage people to do that. And if they want to be quiet about it, that's okay. Reach out to it, somebody that you trust. Because I have, I have just met incredible people, and I know I'm just getting started. Some incredible advice. Everyone, Billy Joe Grant, thank you for being here on the uh, Métis Speaker Series. Thanks. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us on this episode. And we look forward to seeing you next time on the show. This has been the Métis Speaker Series podcast. I'm Darian Kovacs. Thanks to Métis Nation BC for making this possible with funding provided by the Civil Forfeiture Office's Indigenous Healing Stream. You can listen to all of our episodes, learn more about the podcast, and sign up to the Métis Nation of BC newsletter to stay up to date on Métis News at MétisPodcastSeries.ca. You can find out more about the music we're playing by Love Life by visiting SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash lovelifeofficial, L-U-V-L-Y-F official and link in the show notes for your convenience. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast listening device. See you again soon. Mina Kawapa Mitten. Thank you, Marcy, for listening. Mm-hmm.